Hormones, Internal, Part 1. This is episode 155 on Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover alternative health tools and explore integrative healing philosophies for both individuals and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Angie, Angie, that's my name. Oh, my goodness. And Leslie (laughs) are here today. And our podcast today is all about hormones and how you can conquer those babies. This is part one. We will also have part two. And Leslie is going to shine her genius on hormones and some tools and takeaways that you can, as a practitioner and also as a client, conquer your hormone drama. And any woman out there can understand that, especially if you're over 50. But we're seeing a lot of andropause in our clinics So it's not just women, and it's really, I believe, stemming from this stress and this adrenal drama that we have going on in our world right now. That is a significant portion of it for everybody, but I want to actually back it up a little bit more than that and just start out with some basic understanding because what people don't understand about our hormones is that our hormones are far more than just our sex hormones. Yep. Hormones, they are the messengers that basically control everything in our body. They control our moods. They control if you're hungry or happy or anxious or sad, or they control all that stuff. They're all, they are all the neurotransmitters or hormones. Your digestive enzymes are all pushed by hormonal interaction Basically, every reaction in your body requires a hormone to help the cells work together. So it's a far bigger picture than what most people think about. Even taking vitamin D, which is a hormone, helps the immune system retain its cell memory Mm -hmm. for the next time you get violated by some virus or pathogen, right? And some people don't even realize that. Exactly. So, yeah. And and the fact that we misnamed vitamin D and that we call it a <laughs> vitamin and, and some people think they want to take it as a pill when really vitamin D is made by your skin in reaction to sunlight. You got it. That's a whole, I think vitamin D is a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> it very well might be. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so it, it is a much broader picture than what we think of, but the good news is that we have much more control than what people also commonly think of. And one of the big places that I want to start with this is in your diet. The food that we eat has a tremendous effect on our hormones. Right. And when you look at things like dairy, for example, dairy comes from a cow that is normally pregnant. And so it is just loaded with hormones. So it's loaded with, it's loaded with her naturally occurring hormones, meaning estrogens, progesterones, growth factors, all that stuff. It's also loaded with all the stuff that it's intended to be loaded with to turn that little cute little 40 pound calf into a thousand pound cow, like we've talked about in the past. (laughs) And that drastically affects your hormone levels. And one of the one of the first things that I tell women who are having issues with perimenopausal problems is that getting the dairy out of their life is probably one of the most important steps that they can take. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Totally. Dairy and then chicken. And people are really shocked at chicken because they think chicken is healthier for them than beef. And tell them about this. Yeah, and I'm not going to get into an either or thing or one's healthier (laughs) than the other. What I am going to say is that a chicken lays an egg every single day of its life. That takes a hell of a lot of estrogen. And so when you eat that chicken, that's what you're eating. And oh, yes. people don't realize it. And I know for, my, for myself personally, I was not a total vegetarian. I was still, I was eating chicken when I started going through that whole perimenopause thing. And I was eating dairy. I always consumed dairy. And it wasn't until I gave up those things that I was able to figure out how to conquer this whole perimenopause thing without going crazy. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to add to that. It's very interesting. You say that we work with a lot of clients and some of them have a medical diagnosis of alpha gal. And some of you may know what that is. That's listening. Some of you may not, but alpha gal is for lack of better words, a sensitivity to chicken or Turkey, uh, primarily chicken. And it's based in the Lyme family. So it's an individual that has had a positive or not so positive for Borrelia, Babesia, any of those Lyme families and their sisters and cousins. But they can't eat chicken is my point and they have a response to it. And I always am of the thought, yes, I understand that because when you really do a lot of work with pathogens and deep dive, there's some crazy things that, that happen because of they're in your body. But I also always say, Is that also the body communicating in this case because you have a hormone imbalance and is it the chicken or is it what's contained in the chicken? Is it the chicken or is it such high levels of estrogen in this case or hormones in it that's really causing the body to respond? Mm -hmm. And the same thing with dairy, right? The same thing with dairy. And again, we did a nutrition podcast and you'll get a lot more of them. But not one thing causes one thing, but not one thing fits as one thing. So you have to look at that multifaceted body that we've been Mm -hmm. given, body, mind, spirit, and also look at the multifaceted foods that are Mm -hmm. impacting you. So I totally agree with getting off dairy and chicken, especially when you're experiencing uh, a side effect from the chicken, it could be a deeper meaning from that chicken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are the first two things as far as balancing your hormones. And and here again, this is one of those things that might create, some people aren't going to want to hear this one. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that I'm also going to suggest is that having excess fat on your body is a big problem, especially in the perimenopause years and after, because fat secretes an enzyme called aromatase. And aromatase actually converts other hormones into estrogen. So then you're getting that imbalance again. The closer you can get to your normal weight before you go through the whole perimenopause years, the the healthier you're going to be and the better off you're going to be when you're going through that. And the other part of that too is that one of estrogen's functions is that estrogen actually helps your body lay down more fat because estrogen is designed to help your body move through that time of pregnancy and nursing. So you have fat that's making an enzyme that's going to give you higher, that's going to even allow you to lay down more fat. So you get into this vicious circle with all that. Great point, Leslie. When you look at face, tongue, nail, or physical observation, something I teach 
when you look at that, you also will recognize that estrogen dominant individual by what we call big booty Judy. So you have mm -hmm. a bigger lower half. And you mm -hmm. see that a lot in African American women because they're using the estrogen type hair care, right? You're going to see that a lot in individuals that have endometriosis because that is an estrogen dominant uh, disease pattern. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to see it frequently. Again, it's that lower bottom to the, that. The and pear shape. Yeah. You're right. The pear yeah, shape. Pear thank shape. You. Yeah. We, we yeah. call it big booty Judy, which no yeah. offense to any Judy's here. I don't want anyone to take offense, <laughs> but it's just what we call when we're training it because you can recall what that means. Right. And so when you look at that, you start looking at what am I doing that's contributing to this estrogen offset? It's not always just low progesterone, though it can be, but why are you low on progesterone, right? So right. you really start looking at root cause differential and you start finding underneath. Beautiful. Right. Love it. It makes such a difference when, when you can actually start getting some of that stuff out of your diet and lose, you know, get rid of some of the excess weight. It, it, now I'm somebody that was just that person. You know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the person that had the gallbladder attack when she was five months pregnant. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and eventually ended up having the gallbladder out because I was living on cheese. Right. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's a whole yeah. food craving. We could do a whole podcast on food cravings. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. Well, it, it, and not to mention when you have these, this excess fat, that's where all the toxins hang out. I mean, that's where they've been shuttered off to for your own protection. So, I mean, exactly. you're, it's, it's a whole thing. Which, which is why if you do go, you know, if you do start addressing that weight issue, you need to make sure that you're getting enough good, healthy food in there. You, you need to do it properly with lots of fiber and lots of water so that you're pushing all that stuff out and not allowing it to reaccumulate. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to read. This is not a good time for recycling is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. A lot of this is also very much involved with your gut microbiome. Our gut microbiome makes a lot of our, our hormones and a lot of our cofactors. And so it is so involved in all that stuff. And if you have a, a damaged gut microbiome because you have a lousy diet or because you've been on antibiotics or because you've been eating processed food, GMO junk. food, junk, um, junk <laughs> and, and, and too much meat, your, your gut microbiome is going to be off and you're not going to be making enough of the right hormones. And guess what? Those are the people that are much more prone to anxiety, to depression and all those kind of mental emotional liabilities that really are just a byproduct of not having the right gut flora. Yeah, you know, we we will definitely do a whole entire podcast, I'm sure, on the microbiome. But I want to really hit home on what you said, Leslie, in regards to everything that our GI tract, our microbiome, our gut does for us. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that serotonin is the major feel-good hormone. And a lot of people are put on that artificial uh, or the SSRIs or SSIs right. in order to that. I won't even go through that whole pattern, but the process. But the point is, is to recycle and reuse your own serotonin. And when your gut is out of whack, whether that is as a leaky gut, uh, a, a SIBO, so you have the probiotics or the out of the wrong place, the wrong probiotics. I mean, there's so many 
facets to microbiome. When you're working with that and you have this anxiety and you have this depression, you have to look there because that's where the serotonin is hanging out and being absorbed and created as well exactly. as your immune system, right? I mean, mm -hmm. 70% plus, depending on who your study under, says your immune system is located in that GI tract. So if that is accurate, which we both will agree that it is accurate. Then you're looking at what are we doing with this microbiome? You live and die by your gut tube. Bottom mm -hmm. line, you live and yeah. die there because so much happens there and including your hormones. It, that happens too. So mm -hmm. yeah, excellent point. I love it. Mm -hmm. Excellent point. Back to what we talked about on one of the other shows about our stress levels. Mm -hmm. Well, our stress levels cause cortisol cortisol to increase. Yes. And there again, cortisol is guess what a hormone. So we wanted to try and divide this into internal and external, but there's so much overlap between all that because it's about the life that you're leading and why are you so stressed and what can you do to relieve that stress that'll help bring those cortisol levels down so that your food can digest properly so that you're not just taking all that food that you're eating and just turning it straight into fat, because that's what happens essentially when, if you eat, when your cortisol levels are high is you just shunt everything, your body, and you know this, Angie, your body is, is basically the hunter gatherer cave dweller that's trying to get away from the bear, but you know, that stress is really between your ears. There's no bear chasing you anymore. Oh, and yes. Yeah. So if if your cortisol levels are high, you need to do something active to bring them down and or you need to do some relaxation techniques or that kind of thing. One, one of the things that I tell people is really a really simple thing to do before you sit down to eat. Just take a couple of minutes and take like 10 long, slow, deep breaths. And just, just the fact of doing that is going to bring those cortisol levels down just a little bit. And if you can combine, you know, you're doing that and then maybe you, you get a chance, you make a chance, let's put it that way. You're not getting a chance. You right. make a chance to go out for a walk or go out, you know, go out for a bicycle ride or go out for a hike or do something physical, go to the gym do something physical to work through that and work that hormone off because that's how your body was designed was your body made that cortisol to give you that quick release of energy so that you could use that energy to run away from that animal or climb up a tree or do whatever you needed to do to save your life. Well, if you're not doing that anymore because that stress is just between your ears, you got to find another way to get rid of it. Right. And that turns yeah. into metabolic syndrome. Yeah, We're not exactly. talking about metabolic, but that's exactly yeah. what it turns into. I, it's I totally all think. related. Right. And so basically what we're saying here, and Leslie's definitely uh, reiterating it over and over, is that you're not going to fix a hormone issue by putting pellets in your backside there. <laughs> I probably just offended someone. Uh, but, you know, the pellet therapy is all over the place. They do a blood test, which, again, I'm, I believe in urine or saliva for accurate hormone testing, not blood. And then they're putting compounded products in you. Yes. Right. And, and, and an interesting thing about the whole hormone testing thing is that I will challenge the validity of that hormone test 
for one reason, and especially during perimenopause, because perimenopause is, it's well documented that your hormones vary drastically during sometimes in as little as two or three hours. That's why you have hot flashes because you've had a hormone surge. So get this, you go in, you have a blood test at a finite time, and then three hours later, your hormones are completely different. And you expect that blood test that you had, it's basically like a snapshot. Mm -hmm. That blood test that you had is not gonna tell you any accurate information about, about what your hormones are doing overall. It's just gonna give you a snapshot in time. Yeah, and that's a very good point. Cause if we, you know, if we wrap this up with you understanding that anytime you're doing some type of hormone tests, again, I'm urine or saliva, that's all I've ever used in my practice. When you're doing that, you're also doing the four cortisols, the four times the cortisols, because you want to measure those in relationship. And you're doing the progesterone and you're doing the three estrogens and you're doing testosterone and you're doing DHEA. Why do mm -hmm. we say that? It's because you have to think a cascade. So let's say there's, you're starting at the top of the hill and one, you have to have digested fat cholesterol to support this whole pattern. So the mm -hmm. no fat, low fat diet is insane. It doesn't work. There's a quality of fat that you need and a digestive ability. But it, let's just talk about going down the cascade and it gets to the progesterone, which is made from the pregnolone, which is this whole process down, you get to the progesterone and then you have the progesterone steel is what we call it. And that's what Leslie's talking about yeah the stress because then it drops to the adrenals and either the adrenals are grabbing it for the cortisol, right? The bear's coming, the bear's coming, or it's mm -hmm. shunting it to, to DHEA because you have inflammation and pain and other areas. And then it keeps cascading down. And before long, your progesterone and your estrogen is out of balance. The ratio is not there. You've aromatizing into testosterone. Now you're heavy in testosterone. You're getting, you know, chin hairs. I mean, all <laughs> this started from did you eat proper food for the body? Did you digest it? Was mm -hmm. your microbiome up to par? And what do we need to bring balance to it? And we're talking, you've got to look at dairy. You've got to look at chicken. You've got to look at those areas. Mm -hmm. And as it goes down, and then you're looking at what's my microbiome? What's my lifestyle? What's my stress? So it's more than just let me fill in the gap with this particular hormone cream or pellet or pill or whatever. You exactly. have to look at all of it because not one thing fixes one thing. And exactly. we're a society yeah. that we've lost that. <laughs> and that's that's the whole point of what we're of what we're doing this program for and just the whole idea of getting back to looking at the bigger picture because yeah. it's really not alternative health it's time for us to get back to basics we need to back ourselves back down the mm -hmm. dirt road and mm -hmm. start at the beginning and go mm -hmm. let's all breathe oh wait mm -hmm. we don't even breathe which now creates a cascade right of stress and and really challenging ourselves to look at not one thing fixes one thing because we're not one thing and finding that practitioner or stepping into your genius and understanding that this is a multifaceted situation and so when we look at the internal aspect of the hormones we're looking at what is the nutrition what are we putting in and how is the body responding to it to get our outcome exactly. beautiful yeah another thing that i would like to put a little bit more attention to is the things that we could be eating that are going to help beautiful and 
one thing I will say, and again, we go into, there's always controversy around everything, soy. Yes. Now, soy is actually a very beneficial product for us because it actually helps with our estrogen levels. What we now know about estrogen is that we actually have two kinds of estrogen receptors. And this was information, this is information that was is even newer to me. I didn't realize this part of it until just recently. You know, I knew that soy was good for us, but I thought it was a different mechanism than this. But we actually have two different kinds of estrogen receptors. And the estrogen receptors that are more for the phytoestrogens, meaning your soy, meaning your flax, meaning the, the flavones that are in your vegetables, all that stuff actually helps mitigate the estrogen that is the stronger estrogen that dominates our systems. So the more of that kind of stuff that we can get into our bodies, the better off we are. If you're eating soy, it has to, has to, has to, has to be organic because otherwise it's likely GMO. And if it's GMO, then they're using glyphosate and all kinds of crap on it. And you don't want that because that's just going to, that's just going to, go the other direction with your gut microbiome. Absolutely. So I love this point and this, I love this point. Let me tell you why, because I have fought this battle right with you, Leslie, on the fact that soy is not our enemy. No. So soy became our enemy whenever soy milk was replacing dairy and dairy uh, industry as a whole had a campaign against soy because it was taking the shelf space. Right. At that same time, we had individuals saying, I don't want meat products. So they were eating soy everything. And we mm -hmm. have to step back and go that soy burger and that soy hot dog and that soy everything. Was it truly the soy or was it all the lab created additives? So you'll eat that soy hot dog and that soy burger and that mm -hmm. soy everything, right? Mm -hmm. So as a country, we had this huge shift into soy milk everything and this huge shift into soy imitation everything and, and a campaign with propaganda funding all that saying soy is horrible. Right. But what I find interesting, though, if you heard Leslie say flax seeds also are estrogen heavy. And we know exactly. this when we are working with essential fatty acids for some hormonal balancing, you use flaxseed oil at certain part of the month and you use evening primrose oil at another 15 days of the month because evening primrose is heavy in progesterone. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at that, you didn't see a huge campaign against flax seeds because <laughs> they weren't threatening, though you can get flax milk now, they weren't threatening the dairy industry. So exactly. This, so here you go. It's not all bad. And with that, and I don't know if this is something we want to get into or not, or if we if either one of us does this, knows the answer to that, but I wonder about the history of um, the Weston Price Foundation and why they went so anti-soy. Funding because, is what I would tell you. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of stuff on there, yeah. but I, I, in my clinical practice, yeah. I can't confirm their direction, not against their mission. That we're mm -hmm. not, I'm not being negative on it, but there's many things in my clinical experience with all the 5,000 clients that isn't in cohesive with what their statements are. Right, right. So, and, and the other thing that I always say about soy is that if soy is so bad for us, there's a couple of billion people in the world, namely in Southeast Asia, 
that never got that message. And funny thing about it, most of them live longer, healthier lives than we do. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. So awesome. All right. Excellent. So we have talked about hormones and how you can conquer them on part one. Leslie has been so great at sharing her genius in regards to getting off dairy and chicken. Uh, also, excess fat in the body has to do with holding those toxins and the estrogens as we aromatase them. Gut microbiome, which will be a whole nother podcast, I assure you, but on the hormones and the cofactors. And then, yes, Soy. Soy is not our enemy. Anything right. else you want to add, uh, Leslie? You know, one thing I'm just noticing is that we haven't been bringing it back to the fact, just totally advertising here, that you can find Angie's information in the show notes and you can find my information in the show notes. Yes, that's a good yeah. point. See, we get so excited on serving, we forget. Oh, by the way. <laughs> it took us three times to remember this. <laughs> exactly. So perfect. All right. So we encourage you to watch or listen to part two of the hormones and how you can conquer them, which will be on the next podcast. So until we get to see you or you hear us again, we appreciate you showing up. We're having lots of fun empowering and equipping you. And until then, God bless and make it an epic day.